everyone. Welcome to Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Kate Siegel. I'm Nikki Urban, and our guest today is Pallavi Ganalan. Uh, Pallavi is a writer on Love It or Leave It and uh, is a, cre- a creator of, uh, well, you're a creator, oh, shit fuck. I'm like a co-producer. Co-producer. <laughs> I'm a co-producer of shit fuck. Uh- <laughs> Love that program, by the way. I, uh, yeah, it's mostly when I mess up my life, you know, I'm a co-producer of that because my parents are also responsible um, <laughs> of facial recognition facial comedy. Recognition. I was trying to think, Sorry. are you a creator of facial recognition or are you co-producer? Okay, cool. Co-producer. Yeah. Cool. That's all. Uh, which is uh, live stream comedy as well as a podcast uh, and of course you have amazing social media we usually like tour the show but we haven't been able to obviously but yeah yeah and then my social media which is me being mentally ill for all the world <laughs> you've been on tiktok you got on tiktok kind of early I, I feel, feel like for for millennials I feel so anyway. bad about TikTok I can't even go on there anymore because I was there like last <laughs> year and I had momentum and then I kind of stopped because like all of the BLM protests were happening and I was like I don't yeah. want to see my fa- I want to see black creators I don't want to see my face and then I just felt bad because like uh, like the white people just kept going and growing and then they have like all these crazy numbers and now I'm just like I don't really feel like doing TikTok anymore <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know but I like because, I, you know, like when you gain momentum on something and then you're like, oh, I should have kept going or whatever. But I'll get back on there at some point. I don't know. I just got uh, I, I went from gaining numbers on TikTok and then I just like switched to Twitter and like Twitter's been just going. So I'm just I'm just sticking there yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> but I still have yeah, I still have them all. <laughs> your Twitter is awesome. It is a bright spot in my feed. Oh, thank I you. I feel like I. I feel like I like always am, I'm learning something, but or like or laughing uh, <laughs> like just uh, yeah it's it's great you're killing it thank you uh, so much no, I, thank you i feel like people make that face at me sometimes where they're like i you make me uncomfortable but i think i like it and i'm like good <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, i feel like people don't just laugh i just laugh with what i say which is sometimes good and sometimes i'm like just be an idiot Pallavi. just be just put, put out just comedy sometimes <laughs> instead of just like all this extra stuff, but it's fine. <laughs> Did you um, ramp up on your social media? Because I know you were you were taking you were we were talking about earlier. You were taking quarantine like super seriously. Yeah. Is that when you started to ramp up on your social media, I honestly like think it happened by accident. I just started doing like random TikTok things because I felt like doing it. But I had like a web series before quarantine. Um, and I think like I think I did start ramping up on Twitter. And I don't even think like I just got introduced to a lot of different people on Twitter. And that's like how it kind of jumped up. And I because I I feel like I was on there a lot anyways before. But I think I just kind of got lucky, honestly. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you have to do all these things to go viral and do all this stuff. And like uh, I had white friends who were telling me, like, just go viral and you gain 10,000 followers. And I'm like, that doesn't happen for brown people. We gain like 400 and get called disease. I'm sorry. That's what happens for us. (laughs) So like so it was I think it's like not it's sometimes you just get lucky and it's also like other people you know who like who happen to follow you who have a large following and like retweet you um so yeah I was on it a lot before but then yeah now it's like my social circle and it's also like 
I have to be on there for love it or leave it to find news stories. So like even when I'm like, okay, like my friends in my group chats, I can't talk to you anymore. I have to go do work and I'll like close Twitter and then I'll be like, oh fuck, I have to open Twitter for like work. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, just don't look at the messages, you know? <laughs> like, but so yeah, so now it's kind of like a lot of my life. I think it's going to be I can sense some people are not as active on there, the, like in my friend groups who used to be because they're like going out and doing like outdoor shows and stuff. So I can mm-hmm. see that it's going to like not be as big of a thing, I think, for the social media once we like get out into the world. But it's nice to have that following right now. I don't know. I don't, I'm like also bad at monetizing shit. So I'm like, I just say <laughs> things and then I gain followers and hopefully I get to do like fun podcasts like these because of it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then that also, like, translates, like, uh, you know, more followers means, like, more jobs, hopefully. Because yeah, people I do hope look so. at those numbers. So. Yeah. yeah. I think people, like, I think it's also good that I'm on Twitter specifically because, first of all, I, like, hate. I, that was another thing with TikTok is, like, I just got weird about, like, put, like my face and, like, putting it out there. all the, Like, the visual part just, like. I need to like work on that with my therapist or something because I'm like, I just don't want to look at my face all the time like that. But like with Twitter, I can just like put out my ideas and then I get rewarded for my writing. And so I really like that um, aspect of it. Um, And then, yeah. So and then with that, like with the writing stuff, people can see like how you write jokes and like what your stances are and stuff. So it's easier to, I think, for people to get writing jobs from that than like. I feel like with like YouTube and TikTok, it's like they want you to be that character and you don't necessarily mm-hmm. get writing jobs. And I'm looking for more writing stuff, you know, I mean, I'm looking for it all. I just want, like want to do whatever. But I like writing a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. Now, you've had a you've had a really interesting life, it seems like, because you uh, you have a Ph.D., right? In bio- I quit my Ph.D. in you December of 2019 so I could do stand up. Three months before a pandemic hit the planet. <laughs> so that was fun and a good thing for my family to know. Uh, <laughs> How far along into your PhD were you? I was three years. So I like got a master. Like it, it was my second master's basically. Um, but I could have like gotten a master's with my first year. I was going for like a, I was going for a computer science master's, but I like stopped taking classes to focus on research and then. I like it, it was over and I like I did I had like it ended up being another BME master's I have another one from Carnegie Mellon so I like I went to undergrad at Caltech and then I like did a master's at Carnegie Mellon and then I worked in biotech in infectious diseases for like a year and a half at Thermo Fisher Scientific and then I came down to do my PhD and I started comedy at the same time and then it like was this struggle of like Uh, but I love both, but I can do both. But then I keep doing everything comedy and oh no, my passion shifted and here I am. (laughs) Well, we, we appreciate it. Uh, We're, uh, I think, I think the world is glad that you made this decision. Um, Cause it's cool that you get, you have all of that knowledge and that information that you can like take into the world with you. It's so like, it's good to have genuinely smart comedians. Yeah. <laughs> Kate. <laughs> Shade. Um, <laughs> but like, I, like one thing that was cool is that I'm like now a co-executive director of a nonprofit um, that started in like March of last year. And I that is we're making open source medical devices. And that's cool because. I would not have been able to be a part of that. And I do feel like I still kind of, I'm not doing like as much of the technical stuff. I'm just around it. So I'm like 
uh, talking to doctors and, and, or I was talking to doctors and respiratory therapists to inform like our design of like an open source ventilator um, that's like low cost and everything. Uh, and so I'm not like building it myself because we also only have so much, so many, so many pieces like materials. Um, but it's fun to be around it and be around like my fucking nerds, you know, <laughs> and, like, and like still have that part. And I don't think I would have been able to do that if I was still my PhD. So it does feel kind of like I'm even scientifically making more of an impact now than I would have otherwise. Um, so that's fine. But that's like a volunteer thing that I do for fun uh, and for sanity. <laughs> <laughs> How's, how about your family? Do they support? Do they support? Do they get it? What you're doing? My um, family initially, when I started comedy, it was like, especially with my mom, it was like very tense whenever I brought up comedy, like she, it would just get like really tense on the phone. Um, but then it like within like a year or two, it became a thing of like, how much are you getting paid for that? <laughs> That's not enough. Like, and then like, and then it became a thing of like, um, the content, like, I think they would really wish that I was had clean comedy or like when I post a joke on Facebook, that's clean comedy. My dad will like text me and be like, see, look how universal this is. Look how everybody can relate to this. Huh? It's good, too. And I'm like, Dad, that's I, I'm not going to be just a clean comic. Um, but he when I told him I wanted to quit, I actually recently found I had been talking to my parents a little bit about it. And then I recently found like the email where I like made my final decision. And I was like, damn. I write good emails. It's a good thing I'm writing now. <laughs> like, I was like, that was a good email. That was a good ass email. But like when I talked to my dad on the phone about it, he said he was really cool. Like he said, just like really nice things. He was like, what can we do to make sure you're the best comedian you can be? Aww. And that made me feel really good. I was like, oh shit. Like I do have a team and I do have people that are on my side and I'm not like out there alone, you know? Um, and he said, you know, like there's no such thing as wasted time or experience and all of these things that were like very comforting to me at the time. Where did you where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Utah. I was born in Texas and grew up in Utah. A lot of Texas comedians. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of Texas comedians. I was actually talking to my friend Sahana Srinivasan, who's like super funny. Um, and I love her. I was talking to her just before talking to you guys, too. Um, but like she she was surprised to know that I was born in Texas because there are like a ton of a ton of really funny comedians from Texas, like in Houston and everything. There's the secret group out there, which was really fun to do. Um, and I want to like go to Austin and everything because I have friends there and it's like seems like a dope scene. Um, but yeah, I grew up in uh, I was born in Texas, but I grew up in Utah since I was like about four, like a little bit less than four. And um, I lived in I don't want to say where I lived anymore because my family still lives there. <laughs> but like I went to high school in Salt Lake City um, and it was West High. Uh, which was rivals with East High from High School Musical, um, but, oh. and a lot of my a lot That's of my real friends thing. were in High School Musical because they like recruited all these people and like one of my friends was on the dance team or the basketball team dancing and like another friend was like one of the girls doing auditioning poorly um, and then they like came to my dance school and recruited. And I, I couldn't go because I was like, I got this is like two months in St. George. I got to do AP tests. I can't go. <laughs> but yeah, grew up in Utah, which was hella white and hella Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> and then you left. Well, you left for college, right? Because you. Yeah, I went to Caltech for undergrad. So that was your first time out because Caltech's like right here in L.A., right? Pasadena. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't do comedy then at all you were like no my like my friends and I like we would do these like house sketches for our dorm they're all called houses 
Um, and you, you would like make these mo like half hour movies basically of a bunch of different sketches to show the underclassmen. And we like, we broke so many, like not rules, but we did like a lot of crazy shit in making them. Um, and so like, I kind of got it out that way. And a lot of my like comedy was kind of my earlier comedy sensibilities was formed, um, from my friend group from undergrad. Um, but it was like all these guys where I was just like trying to like be like, I wanted them to think I was funny and I would like say a joke and then somebody else would repeat it and then they would laugh and I was just like I would laugh at me they weren't like they were like I still am friends with a bunch of them um and it's kind of fun to to like finally be like oh like they they think I'm funny but also I think I'm funny you know what I mean yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so that's like that's a good feeling um but yeah it was like we just did a bunch of like sketches and stuff and I didn't like have improv um, but like there were these, th these moments that we could, we performed for the freshmen during like orientation. And I like would like do a little bit of improv in the way that I could within like the sketch that we were supposed to do or whatever to like teach kids about drinking on campus or you know, like, you know how they had those like act out things at some school. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I would do, it bothered the shit out of me though. Cause I would do it and we had like, you, we would do it in like groups at freshman orientation. So like we would have to redo like the sketches for like three or four different groups. And I would like improvise something at the beginning and then everybody else would beat my improvis improvisation into the ground. Like they would just like say the thing I said over and over again. And I was just like, I hate all of you. <laughs> <laughs> so or they would like steal like random lines that I thought of and I was like dealing with a bunch of amateurs Amateur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah were you a performer so. bef before like were, how, were you like comfortable doing that or yeah I well I was a dancer from like three until 18 but then I also danced to Caltech for a bit and I was in the dancer symposium at Carnegie Mellon and then I did like a um, it was like a weird like hip-hop Lindy hop group um in the bay <laughs> so like i was in the hip-hop the international hip-hop festival in san francisco too um oh, but i haven't danced cool. in a while i had to bust out my tap shoes recently for an audition and i was like i don't want to take these off i miss this so much <laughs> yeah so i'm like used to being on stage but like and i kind of was always like goofy and wanted to like i did like some like seventh grade or something theater um, but I wasn't like a theater person in, in high school or anything. Um, I just was like a dance person. Um, but like, I would always get the, like, <laughs> I would always get the like villain parts in the ballets. Like I would get, I would be the wolf and Peter and the wolf, or I'd be like Carbosa in Sleeping Beauty, like the, the evil fairy. Um, because I would always do like the acting part pretty well. Yeah. Like I would, I wasn't like very, I wasn't like the best technically in ballet or whatever compared to like some of the other people, but I would always like do the acting part really well. <laughs> so they would just be like, all right, you're going to do that. I want to think that's it. And not because I was like one of the very few brown people <laughs> or like the only brown person in the class. Right. <laughs> I don't think that's why. But... Like, yeah. It definitely does take more acting chops, I think, to be like, the villain or the character or whatever it is right I love that yeah I, I do love playing the villain and things I've like one of the hard things about like learning how to act now with auditioning for stuff is like being the straight person uh first of all because I'm queer but then like also yeah. because of like <laughs> you know like just like the the person who's like not messing around and is just like playing like a regular kind of bland person like that's really hard for me so like I really love when it's like a wild 
fun lady or like a villain yeah. that's like super fun comedy wise did you did you like comedy growing up or was it a thing like as you became an adult and met these like funny friends like you were like ooh, this is exciting I think I always actually liked it I remember like growing up and I would watch Comedy Central a lot. My brother and I would like quote Dave Chappelle to each other. Um, and I also watched like Russell Peters and stuff in high school. That was like a huge, uh, huge influence. Um, and then in college, I started like talking to those funny friends and, and exploring more like right in college and right after exploring more like specials and podcasts and whatever. And I would just like listen to comedy podcasts when I was like walking around in lab, like doing science shit <laughs> and like, um, and so that was so I like learned where like certain comedians came from and like the scenes they in like Portland and Chicago and like I was just like learning more of like comedy canon or whatever really, you know like what people were about. Um, but then I only started doing comedy. My boyfriend at the time we were long distance and he started doing improv and I didn't know you could just like do comedy. Um, yeah. And then he got into SF Sketchfest uh, because I filmed a set of his. He's welcome. And um, <laughs> then, then I like got to go to the performer parties. And like one of my friends had done a set, an open mic, and like invited us. And and after seeing him do that and going to the performer parties and like meeting all of these comedians that I'd heard on all these podcasts and like being really excited about it, I was like, oh okay, I'll do, I'll try it. And I talked to all of these local standups in the SF scene. And I was like, where did you go um, to do your first or to do an open mic? And they said Brainwash Cafe. So I like went the next day and performed at Brainwash. Oh, that's amazing. Brainwash is where I did my first open mic, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Was Tony, did Tony Sparks? Did you get a lot of love? (laughs) I did. I did get a lot of love. Tony Sparks. Yeah, that's great. It's a fun uh, place. It made me really sad when it shut down. I was like, oh, you know, yeah. a lot of a lot of people have been through there. I want to take it back to something, point out something real quick. Uh, you said your first open mic, you saw an open mic and just decided you were going to go do it the next day. And you did. No, I didn't see. I'd seen my friend do an open mic like a while before. Oh, okay. and then And then I the reason that I decided to do it was because I went to the performer party and like I got roasted by Todd Berry and I met like Thomas Middleditch and Ron Funches. And I was like, I just want to be around funny people. I have to do it. Like I've been meaning to do it. I have to do it. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And the next day I was like writing out my set and my boyfriend was like, Oh, I like, I want to come, like, let's do this together. And I had always wanted to do creative things with my boyfriend. And I was like, no, this is my thing. (laughs) And I like, (laughs) I have no idea what compelled me to say that, but I'm like really happy that it was like my, cause then I like, now I'm like that, like it didn't start because I was with somebody or, you know, like now it's my, my thing. Um, but yeah, so that I, yeah, I literally like decided that night I was like inspired by all the comics and I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to go do it. Gotcha. But I only, but that was when I lived in SF and I only did that. I did an open mic in January, March and like June or July or something. And so I only did like three open mics in SF and I like really started when I moved to LA um, because of like my work and everything. I couldn't um, handle it at that time. I worked my relationship and my roommates was like wild. Um, And so then when I moved to LA, like when I started my PhD is when I really started. So I count LA as my start, even though Brainwash was my first open mic. (laughs) (laughs) The starting comedy in LA, what was that like for you? Like kind of coming into a place where it's already like super competitive and some people have been doing it forever and... 
I was just like super dumb and I think that helped me. Like I was just like really <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I didn't know I was bad. I didn't know I was like being like who I was competing with. I like talked to everybody, even people I like who were like way better than me. And I was just like, I don't give a fuck. Like I was just like <laughs> bopping around, just doing it as much as possible. Um, and then people just start booking you. And like, I like, I, yeah, I didn't know it would be, it was supposed to be like, so, or it was more competitive than any other place. Cause I didn't know. I just didn't, I wasn't, ex- you know, didn't have anything to compare it to cause that's where I started. Um, but I think it's like, even though it is competitive, it, you see, like, you see like the really shitty, like actor comics who don't really do comedy, but just are doing it so they can say they have five minutes. And then you see, and like, then you see all the crazy people who just show up and like need to, are just like wild. And then you see like Dave Chappelle at the comedy store. So it's like, you have to deal with like a lot of like, not, you have to like learn how to like handle like a lot of not great situations, which is, I don't think we should have to deal with that, especially like women in the comedy community. I think like there have been a lot of things, a lot of things that were not okay that happened to me, but I also think like because of other situations where I was in front of like rough crowds or like I had to follow someone who's really good. That made me, that made me tougher as a comedian, like the comedy, like actual stand-up part of it. Um, But then also you get to see like really incredible people perform and that's just like really inspiring. And you get to like watch people do like crazy things and you're just like, okay, like I got to go think of something really awesome. Um, And that I think is like more motivating than anything else. When I started doing stand-up here, I, uh, like, went to an open mic at the comedy store, and there was a guy who was, like, wearing a mask and just, like, yelling and ranting and then just, like, picking on the women in the open mic audience. And, like, you know, just – and, like, we all just had to kind of sit there and deal with it. And, like, it's an open mic, so you can't, like – it's not like you're going to have your turn to respond necessarily. was Was that in the belly room? Yeah, I was in the belly room. I think I know who you're talking about. Actually. No way. <laughs> I feel like I have an idea of who it probably was. There it was, was one time. Wild. There was that. I think that was that a Sunday night mic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was uh, that one time there that night that was happening at that mic where the women were getting like yelled at and it was just like not OK. Um, and I went up and I did my set and I like gave shit to like the people who were being ridiculous like I kind of I responded during my set and I like did my set and then I went downstairs and there were these two women who were like that was our first ever comedy show thank you so much we've been looking for you because like we didn't know what was going to happen and they said all these terrible things and then you went up and you did something good and like and like I I, like I'm not trying to be self-aggrandizing but it was like (gasps) It was just like really nice and really sweet. And I'm like, like women shouldn't be traumatized from like it was just beyond, you know, like I can handle a lot of shit. And I know that things are done for comedic purposes and comedic premises. And I can I can handle a lot of it. But like they there were like just yelling slurs is not Mm -hmm. comedy. And like that was there was somebody who was like yelling like the F word for like 20 minutes. And it was it was just like unchecked and that person was one of the people who had power in the room and so these women like that was their first they called it a show that was their first comedy show was that belly room open mic which is like that is that is not like half of that half of open mics are not comedy it's just like people (laughs) trying to figure shit out or just like doing weird stuff you know so therapy (laughs) yeah yeah, it's wild. So like I w- that was a moment where I was like, "Oh, okay, like I have to still 
keep going in these different spaces where it's not always comfortable um, because it'll make me a better comic, but then it's also like I represent something different to the people watching. Um, and it helps the people in the room, right? Like kind of move yeah. past whatever traumatizing experience they just <laughs> yeah. had. Or it at least like lets the people who are traumatizing people know that that's not okay and like yeah. not everybody agrees with them. And that yeah. it's not a, it, it, like those types of people are always like, oh, you always are trying to find a safe space. And then you're just like, hey, you're not funny. And they're like, oh, you're a what? Like, I'm like, you're offended. And like all this. Shit. It's like, no, you're like beyond being off- like not. If- I'm offended when shit's not funny and you're not funny. Yes. Like and people <laughs> people can't take that. Um, So it's it's I don't know. I think there's it's important for people to like ha- like for people to go and like experience that. I remember like um there was like the. Georgia abortion laws like I remember Georgia Alabama and like another state were like it was pretty bad um a couple years ago when they were trying to pass all these terrible laws and -hmm. some people were saying they wouldn't perform in those states to like boycott it and I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on that with comedians because I mean if you're a big comedian like a huge comedian like maybe it'll it'll probably make an impact but like if you're if you're not like you know if you're not like Russell Peters and selling out like giant theaters and stuff or Dave Chappelle like that'll if you say it out publicly it'll probably make a difference but there were some some smaller comedians saying it and I understood what they were saying but I'm also like those comedians are women and it's like important to go and let those people know and maybe those crowds like agree with you but at least like you're you know they you're showing them that you are from somewhere else and you support them you know so like I'm kind of torn about that stuff too of like boycotting or whatever but I do think it's important to like speak up when other people are being really annoying. (laughs) (laughs) You do, so you do a lot. Um, How? (laughs) You do so many, uh, you do so many things because you're, you're not only just, you're not only doing stand up and and you're writing and you're on social media and you're pretty prolific on social media. And on top of it, you also do this volunteer work and create these opportunities. Like how do you manage your time? And I'm bad at it. Yeah, about that? You can do so That's many things relief. if you're like bad at it. Yeah, I'm like I'm half assing like all of that shit. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm like pissing off everybody I'm working with. No, I mean I like some. Yeah, sometimes I can focus on one thing and I like let shit slip and I'm not. I don't perform to the best of my abilities and everything, but I do want to like try to do things as well as I can and. Like sometimes I'm focusing more on Respira Works, the nonprofit, and then you know, like I don't get to answer all the tutoring emails, but then some, like some weeks I catch up on that, um, and then like I always feel like I, there's more I could do with like writing and like being better prepared in, in entertainment and like having projects done, and I just have like a million things that I want to do that I haven't done, um, but I also like. <laughs> I'm not dating. I like have my dog and my friends and like I just really like working a lot. Like I'm even with my roommates, like they hang out together and I'm like, don't like don't forget about me, even though I'm like not hanging out with you because I got to do work. You know, like I'm like, just still like me, please. I'm sorry. But I have been trying to be better about that because I got like really depressed in the fall. And now I'm like, OK, like, bitch, you need to like slow down and like hang out and connect with people because your brain cannot handle not doing that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just I and also with the pan- tam- pandemic, I like reprioritized because I, I just, you know, realized like. I don't want to be like really good or ambitious in a community that really sucks. Like it's just, it doesn't yeah. feel good and it, it, it's not worth it. 
And so I kind of dove into the jack of all trades thing because my entire life, my family has been calling me that. And I just like people will like shame you a lot for wanting to do a lot of different things. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I had that mentality pretty early on in the pandemic. And then my comedy career did not suffer for it. Like I actually got rewarded for like being excited about the stuff that I was doing. And, you know, like I like my career got better. So I was like, all right, I'll just keep doing the shit that I like. And that'll probably benefit all different parts of me. Um, and I, yeah. And you know, sometimes things slip up, but you just have to be more like kind with yourself. And also with like the volunteer stuff, it's like, I, I want to do it well and I want to make sure that I'm being responsible, but it's also like with my team at Respira works, like they understand if things come up because it's a volunteer position. So it's, there's less, you know, like you have to get this done by this time and you have to do this. It's like, okay, we are all doing whatever we can and it's a pandemic and we all have jobs and dealing with personal issues and stuff. So that I feel, I really love the team there. Um, and I think they're all like really amazing and competent and kind people. So there's like understanding there. Um, and then I run the tutoring thing. So like the only person that's going to punish me is me, (laughs) but like, (laughs) but I like want to make sure that the kids have, you know, something consistent. Um, but that's been cool because I was like, I think at one point we were like 60 volunteers and around 60 kids. So that was awesome. Oh, uh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's, awesome. that's amazing. One of my side gigs is nannying and I love it, dude. I like love the kids so that I So fun. Nanny. I love I kids love so them. much. Oh, they're so great. And they're like, like just as adults, you become so neurotic, right? And then yeah. kids, kids are weird, but they're not neurotic. I guess kids can be neurotic, but I like mostly just like they're just themselves and they're like unique and interesting and funny and like... I don't know. Kids are, I, I love them. I, I love really them love so them. much. Yeah. I've always loved kids and baby. Like people are like, Oh, like I hate baby pictures. And I'm like, fucking send me baby pictures. I love, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the other day, it's been so long since I held a baby. I'm like, Oh my God. Like this is like the longest I think I've ever gone without holding a baby. Like it's, and it's because like in comedy, you're around like people without babies all the time. And then also the pandemic hit. And then like, like my friend, my old roommates had a baby and I would have been like all up in that baby space, like cuddling it and everything, you know, like, but like yeah. the pandemic. So I couldn't, um, I used to volunteer at a children's hospital in Pittsburgh and that was so fun. And that was like most of my job. It was like, there's the playroom. I was on the, like the floor with like a lot of the respiratory conditions. So it was like most of those kids would be in and out in like two to three weeks or whatever. But there was like a playroom and you like sanitize everything and you bring kids toys that you also sanitize and you like play with them or whatever, or they come to the playroom. But then all, all, like my my particular job on the shift was because I loved it and was like good at it was to like cuddle the babies because there are like a lot of babies whose like parents can't always be there or who had like there was this one kid who had like gone through so many surgeries and like he would be set back and then he would like watching kids like learn how to like roll over and everything was like it was like he would just keep like rebounding from it um but my job was to cuddle him because babies need to be cuddled like for their physical and mental health they need to be cuddled in order to develop and so like I would just like go in and cuddle all the babies there was like one 11 day old baby with like all this these tubes and stuff in him and like I was just like cuddling him and that's like that's it you have to be good at like handling those like delicate bodies you know and like all this stuff is happening um but that was like one of my favorite things was just to go in and like hold a baby for like three hours, you know, (laughs) it was like so fun. I loved it so much. They're, they're so sweet and they're like incredibly resilient. Like babies are so fucking resilient. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah. Also that new baby smell. Oh my gosh. I didn't want to say anything because not everybody gets it, but like the new baby smell is incredible. Like, I don't know. 
if they could bottle it, I would wear it every day. Like it's so, it's so good. They're so sweet. It smells like soft, right? Yes. Like- yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's those hormones, man. Just like it's a pheromone. Just so my cute. sister like, told protect me, protect me, love me. Yeah. Yeah. My sisters and my mom once cornered me because I've kind of always been a I don't want to have kids and mostly because like I just don't trust myself to do a good job of it. Uh, kids Aww. are amazing, mm-hmm. but they were like, yeah, in those first two years, they're like, it's going to hit you. And then as soon as you have a baby, it's like those first two years, you're just like, these babies make you happy and you get addicted. I was like, this doesn't that doesn't sound like what I want. I don't oh, want to yeah. be addicted. Like literally my sister's addicted to having babies. Like she's oh had God. seven babies. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like should not have, <laughs> she's bipolar type one, like a drug addict. And like, they kept being like, cool, let's get your tubes tied. She's like, I'm good. So like every two years it'd be like new baby. Cause she needed it. She's like, oh my God. That is crazy. That yes. is like a thing. There are people yeah. who are like addicted to tattoos, and I'm like, that's too far. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's a huge commitment, but like, yeah. Oh my gosh, being addicted to having babies. Oh my god, that would be the worst addiction ever. Like, right? I'm thinking about that. Yeah, that's a horrible. But addiction. I mean, there there might be people who are addicted to having babies, but not taking care of babies, and that's like a different thing. Yeah. Ding ding that's ding. A... Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Sad. Ooh. Uh, that's a bummer. Whew. Yeah. But, I mean, I grew up in Utah. And I had friends who had 14 siblings oh, and their yeah. parents oh, were still trying. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. And I would ask them. My friend, she was like the oldest of like 14. And and she was like, she was like 16 at the time or something. Like her parent, her mom was having a kid like almost every year and like had a couple sets of twins and stuff. And like they were like sewing clothes like all the time when they took her to dance. Like I was in dance class with her. Um, but it was like crazy because like for the longest time I like didn't understand because they're there. The dad would have like the, those families like would have like the dad having like a similar job as my dad did. And I like, I was like, but you have like 15 kids. Like, how do you afford that? And then it I, hit me like all the tithe that people pay to the church goes back to like paying people to have babies basically. Like they, uh-huh. they get money for, and, but like, they still like make their clothes. Like they still like, you know, take cut corners, but their kids were all in dance classes too. And that shit's expensive as hell, oh, yeah. you know? So I was like, mm. oh, like they're getting, they're getting, their babies are sponsored by the <laughs> Church of Latter-day the Saints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. we need more of us. Go forth that's, and make more of us. Thousand percent is make more yeah. and convert. And so like, that's just mm. a bunch of missionaries she's popping out, you know? <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> but yeah, the, the oldest of those, like those kids, like my friend, she was, I was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she was like, a mom. And I was like, bitch, you already are a mom. Like you were taking <laughs> care of your siblings. Like go do something else. Like, <laughs> Do you, do you think you want to, uh, you know? Wait, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for you to say it. <laughs> like trying to go like, <laughs> like, pop, like pop out a babe. She's like making the hands gesture of like. <laughs> Wait, can you can you be like I'm? Can you pretend you're a dude, uh, sexy talking a, a lady, and say like I'm gonna get you, and then make the poppy <laughs> yeah. sound? Oh baby, oh yeah, I'm gonna give it to you good. I'm gonna get you so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I don't think I want to bear a child of my own, and that's actually like I wanted to do that, like just to have the human experience of having something grow inside you. Like most people are like, 
oh, like, I want to skip that part and just have a kid. And I'm like, no, like, that part seems like the coolest fucking part because your <laughs> yeah. body is like, I mean, obviously, like, it's really hard for, like, a lot of women and there's all these changes and stuff. But, like, just to feel something growing inside of you, like, that's, that feels, that seems like it would be fucking awesome. Like, just to have that human experience. Like, you it make seems a person. so cool. Like, make you make a it a person. fucking person. There's, like, a foot kicking <laughs> in there. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> when you can see, like, the foot pushing, I'm like, that's insane. Um, so that seems like it would be cool. But I also, I'm like, oh, there are all these kids that, like, need to be adopted. So right mm-hmm. now I'm, like, saving money so that in 10 years I can, like, adopt a kid who's, like, 10 years old. So somewhere out there right now, my kid is being born. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it was okay to ask about kids. It's it can always feel a little weird when you're like, "Hey, let's talk to a woman about having children." Yeah, but I feel like the conversation naturally. I could also have been like, "No," or "I can't," or something else, and it would have been fine. I think. I think, but like, yeah, that is like some some women. It's like a really difficult thing for them to talk about um but i talk about i feel like because you follow my twitter and know that i say everything (laughs) you're like this is okay to ask i feel like you posted something like you posted a video last year about either it was either about clitor uh, like the clit or orgasms and i remember it blowing my mind Oh, oh like dirty, dirty science, dirty science. Yeah, yeah, my yeah web your dirty series. science video. Yeah, so the... I talked about like orgasms and like how the evolution of the clit moving down. And that was like fucking brilliant. Um, had no idea in all of the research that I. Done... I mean, I didn't know until I researched that episode. <laughs> 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 I'm like learning that shit right before I say it. Like I don't know what the fuck. It's like I don't know everything about everything. <laughs> I just, like, check the sources and, like, the data and stuff, which is, I think, what, like, other people might not have as much of access to with, like, the publications of the research, but, like, is, like, being able to parse it as much. But, yeah, I didn't know that shit either. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciated that so much, just seeing how it worked. I, uh, I do, I have an OnlyFans, and part of what I do is, like, I do these dick ratings, and I actually try to give, like, I try to give, like, real advice to people, and I, like kind of parrot that information that you gave about the clitoris uh quite a bit to like to explain to people like how it works and like what the g-spot actually is uh and like how it all how it all relates um and it's very funny i just want to i just want to shout you out for that because uh yeah thanks i'm glad to help uh, men everywhere (laughs) i mean it's helping it's helping people with vaginas yeah really uh people with clitorises that's true did you, um, for your OnlyFan dick ratings, when you said you give advice, do you like, do you just like rate the dick based on appearance or is it like, do they perform something and then uh, you sometimes rate it? They, uh, sometimes they'll send a video. Sometimes it's just like pictures and like if they've sent a picture that it's not super clear, I'll ask them for additional so I can give them like more information. <laughs> do you take it? Do you take it like really seriously or is it like, do you have like, you're like, okay, I know what, a, I know what an eight dick looks like in my mind i've seen enough dicks or is it like just off the cuff i i honestly i look at it like individually like i don't give ratings like one to ten because i don't like that yeah oh, so I gotcha. instead of being okay, so i'll gotcha, be like gotcha. oh, okay i really like your head like the the way your head is or like i'll just point out of like okay you're curved to the right so i think like a really good position would be for you to lay on your left side with your partner uh laying oh. on their back and scissoring like so they can get the 
the arch to work for you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, get it to work. Or like, hey, I see that your hair is growing up your shaft. Don't shave that because that fucking sucks. Damn. Or like, wax it if you're going to get rid of it. Yeah, that sort of thing. But yeah. I'll also be like, it looks really nice. It looks like it'd be fun to suck. Or, That's fun. <laughs> That's yeah. so sweet. I love that. It's like a lot of useful information. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I think... I don't know if that's what people are looking for, but that's what I'm doing. Well, I think like I didn't realize people got one into that depth with uh, detail with rating dicks. I thought it was like a one to ten thing. Um, and my friends have done I, it, too. And I didn't realize that. That's nice. I think it's probably for most people a one to ten thing. But I like I'm like, I don't feel comfortable like. Yeah. With that. That's not, like it can be like not nice. Yeah, it's like rating yeah. someone's yeah. body like, right i feel like you know men have hang-ups the same way that women have hang-ups about parts of our exactly. body yeah and like that one is like yeah. it's very i love that i love the way you're doing it that's great yeah thanks but i mean honestly really that that video you sharing that really helped so cool awesome yeah Happy. Yeah. <laughs> happy <it> <laughs> yeah. See, we need genuinely smart people in comedy. <laughs> I think yeah. that's my like best, most watched video or most watched Dirty Science episode was that one. Um, I got to do another episode soon. I stopped because I didn't want to do a coronavirus episode, but I was because I was like, it's too mm -hmm. painful and I don't want to deal with it. But maybe I'll do it again soon. We'll see. <laughs> it's a cool series. I liked it a lot. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you do a lot of cool stuff, which speaking of like, is there... Um, something you haven't done yet that you want to do or like some kind of like big ambitious goal you have set for yourself that you're looking forward to working toward? Um, I have like a generic goal that I always tell people when they're like, what are, what are your goals in comedy? And my goal is to be able to get up at any venue and have them happy to put me on stage. So it's like I know I have to reach like a certain level of fame for them to even know who I am. And I have to have a certain level of respect within the comedy community for that to happen. But I love stand up so much. And it's like all I want to do. I like I love writing. So like ideally I would be like writing and then doing stand up and like and other performances like acting and stuff. Like I love the skill set that I'm acquiring. Um, but like stand up is that feeling of being on stage is like unlike any other. So like everything has been like acquire all these skills do all these things so I can get to that place where I can just like do stand up all the time um so that's my that's my goal um I want to like in terms of like writing I want to like this like it's wild to have these ambitions but like to have something to have like an impact like Jordan Peele has made where he's like completely like revolutionized a genre and like a, he's created a movement he's like pushed forward not just um the film industry, but like a culture, you know, like it's, yes. it's made a huge cultural impact. Um, that would be like the dream to like have that sort of impact. But I know that's like really, really hard to do. And very few people do that. Uh, but in terms of writing, that would be, that'd be really cool. But yeah, I don't like, I don't really have specific goals because I feel like I have ideas of like, Oh, like I should try to get on this like team at UCB or like do this thing or whatever. Um, that are more like shorter term and like smaller things. But I also know that there is like a lot of gatekeeping and that I am a queer brown woman and that none of those things are going to make me have made it, you know, like I like there were people who were like, oh, like I finally did late night and now I can call myself a comedian. And I'm like, well, you're mm -hmm. like a white person and it's a lot easier for you to get on those shows. So I'm not going to like put those types of individual things where I feel like I have to get it to be on the path because there's so many different ways to get to my goal of just performing more um and I don't want to like 
I don't want to like hamper myself. And so many like unexpected things have happened too. Like I had no, like the fact that I'm working on love it or leave it is like insane to me. Like, I'm just like, that's like, how the fuck did that happen? <laughs> like, I'm like, what it, are they going to, I'm like always like texting my, right, my, my, the people who write on the show with me and I'm like, Hey, like, who's going to fire me? Like, is somebody going to fire me? <laughs> They're like, you're not getting fired. I was like, okay, so they'll just stop talking to me then. <laughs> like, is that what, what's going to happen? But yeah. So those are like my overarching long-term goals. Well, love it or leave it is lucky to have you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> so sweet. Uh, truly, truly. Uh, you're, you are a gift. Hey, what advice do you have for people who want to be doing comedy? Uh, do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it and if uh other than like business type advice if anybody else tries to give you advice uh don't listen to them <laughs> there are like so many like weird old men that tell you to do specific strange things and then you see them perform and they are terrible <laughs> but like they're like you're just like i don't like I don't know. Like com the beautiful thing about comedy is sometimes you don't know why somebody is successful. Like you're like, ah, maybe it's the writing and maybe it's the performance, but there's some like untouchable thing. And like, mm -hmm. that's like, you don't want to like dampen that in anybody and your other people can never tell you like what you want or how to get what you want. Um, Cause there's just like so many different avenues to it. And I feel like there are a lot of people who just like don't see the possibilities so, yeah, I would say just do a lot of what you love. Just do it a lot and then just keep going and uh, don't listen to fucking weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, you don't there are like a lot of people who are like, oh, like, I want to I want to try stand up. And I'm always like, OK, like, try it. But like, don't keep doing something if you're not like super passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And the lifestyle is terrible for you, you know, like. Not everybody, uh, like, I think a lot of people think that, like, stand-up is so brave and, like, it's the it's the biggest and most important thing. I'm like, no, there's so many, like, Jordan Jordan Peele was, he was a, he did, like, improv and sketch. Like, he didn't do stand-up mm -hmm. as much, you know? Like, he he's known for, like, coming from a different back comedy background and he's made a huge fucking impact. Like, everybody loves him, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you don't have to go through specific avenues that people, that you think are, like, more revered or whatever um do, just like don't get caught up or hung up on like how people perceive you just like do whatever the fuck makes you happy hell yeah hell yeah yeah, yeah. that's great hell yeah. advice thank you <laughs> would you rate my advice <laughs> did it curve to the right <laughs> side oh well uh yeah see um, it need to be shaved down a little yeah no. the, <laughs> the advice is girthy uh might be a little hard going down the throat but <laughs> hard to to take one. hard to swallow oh. well Povey, it was awesome to have you on thank you so much for doing the podcast um you're just so funny and like i'm not gonna lie i was always like a little intimidated to talk to you in person when i'd see you in person because you, because you are so funny i was like i have nothing to offer this woman you shut your <laughs> dirty mouth i love you you dumb bitch you shut your dirty mouth <laughs> but i this is like I, i've been looking forward to this all week so thank you so Aww. much for coming on this is great That's so sweet thank you for having me thank you uh and yeah ditto <laughs> That's all I got. I got a ditto. <laughs> that works. <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much to Paula V for being on the show. Um, she was just such an awesome guest. It was so great to have her here. And you can catch her work on Love It or Leave It, Facial Recognition Comedy, and 
Her Twitter is amazing, like we said multiple times throughout the show. Check that out. Check out all of her social media. Follow her. Worship her. We know we do. And if you liked what you heard and you're interested in donating uh, to our network and supporting this podcast and our podcast network, uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about our Patreon. Uh, Yes, we are the Period Podcast Network. We are a network made by she's and they's for everyone. And it's really cool. We're all working together. And the concept behind our network is that everybody, every single podcast that's on the network, we all kind of get paid the same. We are all working together to build up, uh, build up each podcast like high tides, raise all ships. Uh, but we need your support in order to do that. <laughs> Kate, tell us a little bit about some of the podcasts that you can see on the Period Podcast Network. Oh my gosh, just so many great podcasts, starting with Tinseltown Tea, which is a movie review and Hollywood gossip podcast. There's Comadres y Comics, which is a podcast that highlights the Latinx community in comic book culture. There's Yes, a Stripper, a podcast about strippers and sex workers in interviews with people in those industries and their allies. There's Girl Boner, which is a health and sexuality and empowerment podcast. Elaine's Cooking for the Soul, which is a post-apocalyptic cooking podcast hosted in a dentist's office. Yes, it's very exciting. And we have a Patreon. Uh, We'd love uh, to see your support if we could. Uh, Because, you know, the best way to support is not only just to listen and to appreciate and share, but also, you know, share some of the if you got it and our price is not high for five dollars a month you can get um ex- uh, you get an exclusive zine that is created by all of the uh all of the participants on the network uh, we're creating some really cool artwork some articles some poetry it's really really neat and then at ten dollars a month you can uh you'll get exclusive bonus content from each of the uh each of the podcasts. Uh, It's very exciting. There's also a bigger option for like a group Zoom that's like $20. And we highly suggest that because we're all very fun people. So check it out. If you support uh, marginalized voices in podcasting, if you feel like there should be more of them, which you should, guilt, 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 uh, check out all of the podcasts on the network. You can go to periodpodcastnetwork.com. You can also find a link to our Patreon there. Thank you so much uh, for joining us again. And if you can, please support the network and support as much as you can women in podcasting and women in in comedy um, and women in all things. The Comedy Girl Crush Podcast.